0: Welcome to Are You Afraid of the Stacks? My name is Sedina. I'm a Children's Services Librarian at the Barbara Bush Branch in Cypress Creek.
1: And I'm Jennifer. I'm the Senior Adult Program Specialist at the High Meadows Branch Library.
0: Are You Afraid of the Stacks? is an episode where we talk about the spookier side of children's literature.
1: And today we're going to be talking about boundaries in horror and how horror can help you set those boundaries we're going back to the
0: basics. (laughs) We decided that the official spinoff of our segment would be a great time for us to reframe what we think about horror in children's literature and why it's something that we should not be afraid of. Correct.
1: And setting
0: boundaries
1: sounds really scary in and of itself, but I think the way that we're going to cover it will make it one, easy to understand, two, easy to talk to your kids and your teens about, and three, recognize how you're setting your own boundaries in daily life.
0: I myself am not a parent, but I have had custody of a young child before, and it can be a little nerve-wracking to decide where those boundaries are for yourself, the child, and together. This is hopefully a discussion that we can have where we learn to respect all three of our boundaries. Yes, 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 yes.
1: So today we're going to discuss first the importance of boundaries, discovering your own, and how horror helps with setting boundaries. First up, the importance of boundaries. So it's important to recognize that line in the sand that you wouldn't cross, but you also don't want others to cross. And the reason I wrote that down is because I think with kids and teens and growing up in the household, you're often told by your parents, no, you can't do that. Yes, you can do that. No, you can't do that. But when you got into the real world, you're sort of sent on your own in terms of going to school and interacting with adults there. And you don't really have your parents to help guide you through other people's boundaries boundaries that are appropriate for yourself, and you oftentimes don't know what to do. So it's really important for our kids and our teens to learn that one, it's okay to find that line in the sand that they wouldn't be willing to cross, but to recognize that they don't want others to cross that line for them as well.
0: Right. One of the reasons why I personally think that these boundaries are so important is because children lack the lifetime experience of placing some of the events that they're going to experience into context. Mm. And many predators and other adults that would take advantage of them know this. So experiencing horror in the space of a book or a creepy movie is the perfect place for us to keep our kiddos safe and feeling secure in their own environment while also giving them some time to contextualize what they saw, how they felt, and what was overcome.
1: I agree. I think when people think of horror, they think, think of really, really scary horror, blood. And horror doesn't necessarily have to be that. Halloween is coming up and there's going to be tons of children's content in your local library as far as books go, movies, cartoons that can help you see that, oh, there are boundaries being placed in this form of media. It's a great discussion opportunity for my child.
0: In fact, according to research, 78% of parents say that the baddies in their children's literature helped them differentiate between good and evil in their own experiences. Mm -hmm. And 48% of parents say it helped their child conquer their fears. And while that number may sound a little low, maybe not all parents are allowing their children to engage with creepier materials. They put up that blockade too young or for too long it is okay to let your child learn to overcome their own obstacles. In fact, kids can build resilience when they see characters defeat the big bad. They then take that time away from that material and realize that they too can overcome their own obstacles.
1: I always like to say, let your child help guide you with their boundaries and horror because I have a six-year-old and she oftentimes will tell me, well, that's just too scary for me. And we have a little talk. And I always tell her, let mommy know whenever something is too much for you, you just can't handle it emotionally. And we'll have a talk about it and why you can't handle it. And I'm always here to help you. We know now not to watch that yet. It's just a great discussion opportunity with your kids. Even as young as a six year old, they'll tell you their feelings. And that's what this is all about.
0: And your daughter is not the only one that we know like that. We Mm -hmm. have a coworker whose daughter will listen to some of the podcasts that they share on the ride into work or school. And her daughter told her very confidently, the beginning music of this podcast scares me. I don't want to listen to this podcast with you anymore. And our coworker took that as the confidence that her child had in trusting her and their healthy communication and turned off the podcast and they listened to something else. Or they talked about the reasons why these are also great opportunities to build a stronger relationship with your child. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. It is, it really is. It goes into my next point of once we learn to recognize boundaries, it's easier to view it in others and be respectful and have that healthy dialogue. I think when kids go to school, oftentimes you meet other children that are raised differently than you, you meet other caregivers, you meet other teachers that believe different things. There's all these ideologies that are in one space interacting with each other. And one of the things, that I love about horror, especially horror in children and teen literature is that specifically picture books, they encompass different supernatural species, right? We talked about in last month, the Gustavo ghost, Mm. he had a bunch of different supernatural friends,
0: The little werewolf girl.
1: Yeah, you know, there were so many different friends. And to me, that was very well represented of a school setting and the different cultures and ethnicities that are in a school and showing Gustavo being scared to a approach them, they all recognizing the good in Gustavo. I feel like books like that, that are horror, are really good at educating kids and showing them that, yes, there are different boundaries that each person has, and we can respect them for it. We can enjoy being friends with them. We can be kind to them. It's just a really good book that shows the diversity of a school. And for me, it's a good learning opportunity for my child to say, these are some of the boundaries we have at home. You're welcome to set your own boundaries with your friends because of your differences. And you're also obligated to respect their boundaries as well.
0: Because it can build an understanding between you and your child or your child and their peer group. Experiencing those frightening tales together, any spooky story that you shared on the playground, but it also gives them the opportunity to bond with their peer group in a way Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't normally get the chance in a practical classroom or on a play date where it's been strictly governed. These tales are things that we all share. In fact, sharing spooky stories in the playground is probably one of my favorite memories.
1: I agree. I love telling ghost stories at the playground during recess. My daughter, now they play a game called Zombie and I have no clue (laughs) how the game is played. I don't know what the object of the game is, (laughs) how you win it, but just the fact that she's playing zombie and she's not afraid of zombies Mm. is something that I appreciate because I don't know that I would have played it in school, but we had more traditional games like Tag and red rover so to see the evolution of one zombie culture in horror and how it's descended down into children's play is really interesting it makes it so much easier for me as a mom who loves horror to encompass her in some horror content because now she's not afraid of zombies so i got all the zombie board books for her
0: (laughs) That's another great reason to explore these boundaries with your children is that you get to have that connection where you get to relive some of your favorite spooky stories from when mm-hmm. you were a child and continue to pass them on. The playground is one of the greatest cultural exchanges we have. Otherwise these small little spooky stories, which were not that spooky and retrospective were so goofy and silly and <laughs> usually just plays on words. I think that we need to keep them going and it would be a shame for us to lose them because someone would was afraid their child could not handle it, which is not giving children the respect they deserve. Children handle so much on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. I am blown away by how resilient kids are these days.
1: agree. They're super resilient, super strong. I think oftentimes we don't give them the credit that they deserve. We're so busy trying to mold them into the human beings we want them to be that we Mm -hmm. fail to see just how great they are.
0: They're observant. They are empathetic and -hmm. they are deeply contemplative. Mm -hmm. They may not have all of the information or the life experience and context to get everything right all the time but that is where we open discussions with our children and let them know that we are safe spaces Mm -hmm. for them to come to, that we will not shun them for the things that they enjoy, that we will not tell them that they are wrong, we will not mock them, that they will maybe even share in those experiences with us and realize that we can be, maybe not friends at such a young age, but that we can be closer than authority figure and charge. Right. I mean I think it's definitely a way to bond
1: with the child, still maintain that authority figure that comes with being a caregiver. But it helps set that foundation for when they do grow up in their in their adulthood that Oh, you know, when we were younger, I love that you had those conversations with me because one, you trusted me as your grown up to set your feelings up. And then on the child's point of view, you know, oh, mom or dad or whoever, I really appreciated you talking to me because it showed that you respected me even as a child to have mm-hmm. these discussions with me. It's a win win.
0: Yes. We don't need to hide everything from our children in their youth. They know when we're mm-hmm. hiding something and they feel lied to, they feel ostracized. They feel is if you do not care enough about their needs and their ideas to share with them. And whether or not you withhold information and it's just lies by omission, they feel that and Mm -hmm. it hurts. Myself growing up as a child in a single parent household, I asked my mom everything. I felt comfortable going to her with any question I had. She chose how to explain the situation to me for the age that I was that I would understand, but she did not sell me a fairy tale of what was Mm -hmm. occurring. And I think that this open discussion is what helped prepare me for hardships later in my life. I did not have an easy young adulthood and the ways with which my mother acted as a caregiver and set looser boundaries allowed me to explore them on my own, but also allowed me to come to her in any comfortable, safe space meant that I was capable of having control over my adulthood in ways that my peers did not.
1: Yeah, so I came from a household that was pretty sheltered, and there were times when you just didn't discuss things, just didn't have those conversations, which I think is sort of common in most Asian households. And it was really interesting coming into adulthood and realizing there were some conversations that I probably should have had with my parents. But at the same time, I don't fault them because that's how they were raised as well. And I choose to break that cycle and have discussions with my daughter about things that are more uncomfortable. We've already had conversations about death and grief and I'm a single parent household so we've had conversations about that and I think that while I see her struggling with some of the concepts, being able to have conversations with her and being open to answering her questions as honestly as I can in language that she understands really helps her go out into the world and be her best self. I don't see anything wrong with that. Of course, I don't give her everything but I give her enough that she She doesn't feel lied to and she knows that she can still come to me with questions and I can always talk to her about things. I just Mm -hmm. think it's really essential in a caregiver child household.
0: I think so too. It shows that there's open communication, but also that she can take the information you shared and make her own choices, Mm -hmm. which is also one of the great things about reading horror when you are a child or experiencing horror in other forms of media throughout young adulthood. There is a sense of control that you gain as a reader, which is also some of the first times you can learn and discover that dnf did not finish is perfectly Mm -hmm. fine yeah you don't have to go (laughs) through the whole experience when children are reading a scary story to themselves or being read to by a caregiver that they trust in an environment they feel safe and secure they have a level of control and they can put it down or ask Mm -hmm. you to stop reading and you can step away from it for either a short while or forever there were definitely books that i put Mm -hmm. down and walked away from as a young child understanding that it was too much for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of them I never went back to. And some of them I thought about later and would think, you know what, that really wasn't that scary. Mm -hmm. And now that I've seen other movies or books in a similar plot line, I think I actually know what was going to happen. And it actually wasn't that scary. If anything, it was a little Mm -hmm. campy. And so I'm going to go back and I'm going to rediscover that story and try to figure out why it put me on edge so much. Mm -hmm. Those are all very important things. It also helps you learn to see those warning signs and those red flags mm-hmm. in yourself when you start to have uncomfortable interactions as a young adult with other adults that are not your caregiver and you're able to protect yourself or find an authority figure that can help you find mm-hmm. the boundary these things are very important lessons to learn and for parents who do not trust their children to discover these boundaries with them in a safe place where they feel protected that can come back and bite us later
1: hmm mm-hmm. that brings up what you said about closing the book. That's just one of the many ways of how to set boundaries with literature and media. Of course, you can close the book, you could turn off the TV. But another thing that I like to bring up is talking to your local librarian is a great way to one, talk about the boundaries that you're having with your child in terms of horror and literature, because your local librarian can give you recommendations. Okay, well, this was too scary. Maybe this will be better. Let's try to find something that better fits your child's needs and their wants because a lot of times the kids that enjoy horror because they really, really like horror, they do have their own boundaries within horror and they want something that just fits that niche that they really like and that comes with any genre in literature anyways, but your local librarian will definitely help you when it comes to choosing the right materials for your children but also let your child talk to the librarian and give them that voice with the librarian because it's so interesting to see and view that conversation being had. When Sadid and I worked together, I would often go into the children's library and just watch the interactions with the librarians and the kiddos, because the kiddos, they were able to describe exactly what they wanted and needed. In perfect detail, but also not in
0: perfect detail, like in the most obscure, but specific ways.
1: Yes. And And that's actually my
0: favorite game to play as a children's librarian. mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) It's just so fun to watch. It's so endearing to watch. One of the things that I really like, and I am having trouble getting the words out (laughs) is that they are finding their voice and parents are enabling them to find their own voice within their boundaries. And I just love that. So the next thing I want to bring up is specifically talking about horror and boundaries. We've touched upon, you can always close the book, you can turn off the TV if you're being scared or you're finding that it's just too much for you. But how do you respond to horror in literature and your boundaries? Let's just give the goosebumps books just for publicity say because everyone knows the Goosebumps books. These are books that explore the supernatural, definitely horror based. As a child reading them, there were some that really, really scared me. And there were some that were just so funny I read it over and over again. But the ones that scared me, I always read through them. I never subscribed to the Do Not Finish. That was a (laughs) thing that I did when I was older, I realized. And I think that was really beneficial to me because it showed me that one, I can confront those things that scare me. And two, I can come out of those scary situations unscathed or if not better than how I entered the book. So confronting your fears or even being brave enough to say, this is too much for me. I can't handle this. I need to put it away. Those are really important lessons to learn. And the earlier you learn them, the better I feel.
0: Agreed. I can still remember the first book I learned to put down and walk away from. And I eventually went back to that book and the setup had been a vampire story of some sorts and the main character was on the second floor of her household and heard a tapping at the window and looked outside and there was a what she thought was a vampire tapping on the window floating outside her second floor bedroom window mm. and i remember thinking the likelihood of someone being able to get to the second floor window that's a scary thing you know mm-hmm. a lot of homes that have bars on their doors or windows that's only on the first floor it's rarely on the second floor because how often do you expect someone to get to the second floor very scary concept to me at that age. So I put it down and I went and I had dinner with my Bubby and my Papa. And at dinner, I sat there thinking, in retrospect, the entire book was not that frightening. The buildup to it, that little scene was a little scary and the scene itself. But I remember thinking that the book itself was a little campy and that I should go back and finish it. Mm -hmm. So after dinner, I went and I finished it. The explanation was so (laughs) Scooby-Doo that... I remember feeling a little foolish that I hadn't put together that it was something as simple as a pulley system that somebody had suspended (laughs) themselves from in order to frighten this child. And that it was all like, if these darn kids hadn't found out type Mm -hmm. of spoof. And the relief I felt going back to it and the realization of simple explanations are usually the best ones to go by, it kind of helped reframe the things that I found unnerving later in life that if I just thought about it more thoroughly, more logically, I could find a simple explanation. Mm-hmm. And that's helped me quite a bit in my life. And I think that we wouldn't get that if we withheld horror from children. Right. And that's not to say that we should just fully immerse them in horror. <laughs> right, right. No, I would like to say yeah. I was seven years old when I read yeah. this very <laughs> spoofy, campy book. Yeah. Like, we love horror,
1: but we understand that you, know, you got to sprinkle
0: it in. <laughs> right. But I would also say the first Goosebumps book I ever read that actually gave me chills was don't go in the basement. Oh, that was a bad one. That was a good one, though, because it wasn't actually the monster that I feared. Mm -hmm. It was the idea that they were going to allow something that they didn't feel comfortable with to continue because of the authority figure of their caregiver convincing them that they were safe. And this idea that they should inherently trust their father when he was maybe acting uncharacteristically and that they had to push to investigate it. That was the part that scared me that you could have instincts that told you this is not okay. And to have the authority of figures around you try to convince you otherwise. Mm -hmm. That frightened me. I interact with a lot of
1: teens on a normal basis at my current branch. And my current branch was also the first branch I ever worked at. And I had more interaction with the teens then even more so because I was a young adult myself. And I could recognize in a lot of the teens, some of the issues I had growing up when it came to setting boundaries and talking to authority figures and wanting to rebel. And often I would talk to the teens and I would give them book recommendations. I always gave them book recommendations of what I was reading. And this is before the Twilight uh, saga hit. And even though Harry Potter was always geared towards kids, back then it was shelved in the teen section. So one of the books I would always recommend to the teens was the Harry Potter series just because it had some Some supernatural elements to it with the witches and the wizardry, but it showed them how to approach authority figures, both good and bad. You know, we talk a lot about kids, but our teens, especially those that, especially now with social media and stuff, the boundaries are kind of clouded a little bit, and there's not set boundaries for these teens and what they are willing to go to for likes and views and stuff. I think recommending some good horror books will help them just unconsciously set some boundaries. In their head. And it's really important to foster that relationship as library staff with our teens and our kids and help get them to recognize their own boundaries.
0: I think that's a great way for us to segue into talking about my book recommendation. Mm-hmm. My book recommendation is a book that I lived by through undergraduate and especially graduate school for library sciences. It is a book that is called The Witch Must Die, How Fairy Tales Shape Our Lives by Sheldon Cashton. It was published in January of 1999. While it is now 22 years old, what you are truly going to get out of it and what your kids are also experiencing is what fairy tales show us and darker meanings, whether they are the witch or the protagonist and how we internalize those things as children in order to compartmentalize and free those parts. of us that we don't understand fully yet as young children.
1: That's a good one. Which I've never read that one. So that might be one that I might have to borrow from you.
0: (laughs) You know, I got it. I
1: know you have it. (laughs) (laughs) My book recommendation is not necessarily a horror, but it does touch on societal horror that is prevalent right now. The book is titled Silent Alarm by Jennifer Banosh, And it is a teen book. It was published in 2015. It explores the aftermath of a school Shooting, but through the viewpoint of the sister of the school shooter. This book took me a couple weeks to read. I had to renew it at the library because it was very heavy. Because at the time, I think we had a school shooting every month, it seemed like, and to read a book in the purview of the sister of the shooter was something I'd never even thought of. So it took on a lot of horror aspects of school shootings and the aftermath and how the family of the shooter deals with it, but also how the victims deal with it. It was really good. And I think that even though, like I said, it's not a horror book, I recommend it because one, it helps you with some boundary setting as far as after a traumatic event, but it also gives you another perspective into someone else's healing process, which I really appreciated. And with that, I think we're going to say goodbye for today. We wanted to thank you for listening to the official spinoff and check us out every month for a new episode. Yes. Thank you
0: for sitting down and hearing us out on this episode for recontextualizing horror and why we think it's necessary in children's literature. We hope that you enjoyed it, got some insight, and our upcoming episodes will be focused on book recommendations going forward. So those should be quite a bit of fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye.